Welcome to the Spot Check. Join your resident occupational and speech therapists, Amelia and Heather, as they dive in and get real with patients and clinicians about living with chronic disease. So welcome back to the Spot Check. And today we welcome our guest, Alyssa. She and I actually met over on Instagram. So it's, you know, Instagram friends who become real life sort of friend, <laughs> even though we never met. And the reason why we brought her in to our interview this week is because we want to highlight head and neck cancer in the next few episodes. So Alyssa has mentioned in her Instagram post that she was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. So that's one of the reasons why we brought her in because we really appreciate her perspective as somebody that is so young to get diagnosed and just her experience with it. So Alyssa, thank you so much for joining us today. And I guess we just kind of start dive in, right? How did you even get to that point of like diagnosis? Um, so first of all, I would like to thank you for giving me this opportunity to like really speak about my story. I feel like this really impacted me like positively and also just in regards to my health for upcoming years. So actually around the same time last year, the weekend of Thanksgiving, I was having dinner with close family friends. So while we were eating dinner, she kind of looked at me strangely. She's a very close friend and she's actually a nurse. And so after we ate dinner, she walked up to me and told me, hey, I noticed you have a swelling in your neck. That really started my like health journey to finding out my diagnosis to thyroid cancer. And so after that dinner, I, the next few days, I went to go visit my doctor and she checked my neck and see if there's any swelling. And she really felt my neck and she felt a huge lump on my right side of my thyroid. And so she recommended to get it checked. So I got an ultrasound. And they showed that there was some calcified lump in my thyroid. And so they wanted me to get a biopsy. The following week, I got a biopsy done. And after that, I got a call from the physician assistant that really took care of me. And she called me saying, I'm sorry to notify you that you also have the same cancer as your mom. Now that kind of really started my process of checking up with a specialist and also preparing for scheduling a surgery to get my thyroid removed. Wow. Thank you for, for sharing that with us, Lisa. So oftentimes, thyroid cancer has no symptoms, and swelling can be one of the first signs. Frequently, some of the other signs can be trouble swallowing, voice changes, or like a constant annoying cough that just is, is a little troublesome, but just this little little cough that won't go away. Did you have any of those symptoms? That, that Did you notice any of those? I would say like it was kind of blend in with stress. So that point of my life, I was finishing up my like last year of like undergrad. And so it was kind of blend in with a lot of like stress I was going through with school. I was also very involved in my organization. The semester where I started creating my preoccupational therapy organization at the university, in addition to 10 hour research internship, in addition to also family stress and also my volunteer at the hospitals and just like all that kind of blend together. So I couldn't distinguish or point out the symptoms, but definitely I felt a lot of fatigue. I also had like loss of appetite as well. But like I said, I didn't really think about, oh, this is a symptom for thyroid cancer. It kind of like blend in with stress from everything else. So does this background of these minor little symptoms that you wouldn't have otherwise picked up 
So kind mm-hmm. of just these little things that we all get that overstress or just day-to-day life that we're like, eh, eh, kind of weird, but okay, just go on. Did anyone ever, I thought it was interesting. You said it was the same cancer your mom had been diagnosed with. Did anyone ever tell your mom or tell you that there would be a risk that it would be in anyone else in the family? Because is that, is that a normal, a normal thing for this, this type of cancer? My mom was diagnosed in 2016. And so with her, it was a similar kind of um, journey. So she saw like a lump on her neck. And so she started getting it checked and then found out it was thyroid cancer. And so she also went through the surgical procedures. And in addition to the treatment I went through back in March of this year, And so I would say it is very common in terms of family genetics. And so as soon as like my mom got all that procedure done, the doctor made a note, oh yeah, I have a history of thyroid cancer. Oh, wow. That was a lot to just the process because I mean, your mom got diagnosed in 2016 and you watch her went through the treatment, right? You watch her had surgery and then radiation. So when you were diagnosed with thyroid cancer and that PA call you to let you know, like what? came to mind? Like, how, how did you respond to that? Well, when I got the call, I had a thought, okay, yeah, it can most likely going to be thyroid cancer just because that's what the ultrasound and biopsy has shown. There was some calcification on my thyroid. That's a, a huge indicator. Like, yeah, it's probably going to be thyroid cancer. But my mom was sitting next to me. And so it was on speakerphone. And my first reaction was, yeah, I kind of really assumed that it is going to be with thyroid cancer. But then with my mom, she started breaking down crying and everything. And my thoughts, I thought about her just because she has to deal with her health in addition to now my health as well. So she has been a huge part of my journey and my biggest supporter. I was worried for her instead of me just because I know I'm going to be okay. A lot of people have been telling me that you're so young, you'll get through this and everything. When my mom got diagnosed, she was a little like bit older. And so with her, I would say there would be more, I guess, health complications. Whereas for me, well, when I was diagnosed, I was only 21 years old. I was like, okay, I'm going to be okay. But is everyone around me going to be okay? And actually, after I received a call, I reached out to really close friends who kind of already knew what I was going through and kind of telling them, hey, I found out my diagnosis. I am diagnosed with cancer. And then so they were really shocked. And they're like, I guess, surprise for me. They're like feeling the feelings for me. For me, I just felt like neutral about it. I'm just like, okay, this is just another thing. I guess another part of my life that I'm just going to like go through. It's one of the bumps in the roads in my life. It's another step of my health journey that was very like life changing for me. I'm like, okay, I can never go back to my life before my diagnosis. It definitely changed how I really take care of myself and my outlook in life. That was really interesting to me because in occupational therapy, we talk about different roles that someone has in their life. So you have a role as a patient, as a student, as a daughter. But I think because of what you have been through with your family, it seems like you didn't even take on that role of patient to grief because everybody else has grief for you. Like your mom, your friends, they were crying, but you were just trying to hold yourself together. Okay, I'm going to be okay. I know I'm going to be okay. I've watched 
my mom go through this and she is okay now. It, it definitely, it seems like it impacts you in significant ways. Yeah, definitely. Just because ever since senior year of high school, I've been very involved in volunteering at the local children's hospital. What really like comforted me is just that I am going to be taken care of by all these amazing providers. My health journey really impacted me and how it really taught me the patient experience. I never really experienced that before playing the role as the patient. I was always the one being that one volunteer comforting the child in the hospital or as a clinical intern at my hospital internship, being that one intern, making sure getting to know the patients and really making that their experience worthwhile and very comforted and they feel like very supported in their journey in or their visit at the hospital. So it really opened my eyes to, I guess, what it was like to be that playing that patient role. And because I never experienced that this is my first time going through something that was very life changing in regards to my health. Did you find any difficulty switching that role from being kind of that caregiver, that comforter to being that patient? Or do you do you feel that that was that was okay to accept that? Because I think sometimes when we are in that caregiver, comforting role, it's sometimes hard for us to accept that now we've switched those roles and will allow other people to care for us. I would say it wasn't really difficult just because I know how I can make a difference in my interactions with patients through my involvement at being a hospital intern and also the hospital volunteer at the local children's hospital really made me realize I can make a difference. And so when I flipped the role as the patient, I understood these people really care about me and they really want me to get that best quality care while I am going through my health journey through figuring out what the next plans are for my treatment and procedure for my thyroid cancer. Wow. So going back to your personal journey in getting the treatment for thyroid cancer. So you got diagnosed and then you had the surgery and then you had radiation. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. On December 20th, uh, 2019, that was when I received the call from the physician assistant that I was diagnosed with cancer. So with my endocrinologist, getting a appointment with him because I was a new patient was very difficult just because he was very booked until the early February of 2020. But luckily I received another call saying that he opened up another day for appointments on New Year's Eve. I decided to take that appointment just because I really wanted to expedite this process just because I don't know how much the thyroid cancer will grow inside of me. So the onset was very, very fast. Once I was diagnosed with thyroid cancer, I was actually looking at old pictures to see when I could see the, the lump on my neck. Because I love to take pictures and go out with my friends, I have a lot of pictures probably since the month of September. So in September, I did not see any any signs of any lumps or lumps on my neck. But then when I flipped through October, I kind of saw like a little like lump on my neck. So it was really interesting to me to see that just because I never really noticed the lump and just the onset was definitely very fast. I did not expect that 
cancer cells grow inside my body that fast. That's really interesting that you, I think the misconception is, is that we see ourselves every day. We look in the mirror or we take pictures of ourselves because, you know, we live in a selfie world now that we would notice those changes. But the truth is we don't. And we just, I think they can be so minor. And I, I found it interesting that, you know, you're at this dinner and was it, did you say your aunt? It was a really close family friend. I really, I consider a second mom and she, okay. and she is a nurse. So she's very observant. And was she also aware of your mom's diagnosis? Yeah, she has been a very close friend of ours since I was born. She was also playing a role in my mom's health journey in 2016. So well, thank goodness that she was so observant. What were your thoughts at that dinner when she kind of pulled you aside and, and had that conversation with you? I was kind of surprised. I did not notice about myself. As soon as she pointed out, I ran to the bathroom and I checked my neck to see if I feel the lump. Because before she pointed out, I never felt anything when things go down my throat. But then as soon as she pointed it out, I started noticing every time I drink and like eat, I can feel something on my throat. And so that was very interesting to me. It really made me aware about, wow, I do have something like on my thyroid or my throat. So that was really eye-opening for me. So you noticed with your swallowing, you noticed something off. What what did that feel like for you? I don't really recall about how it really made me feel, but I was just very self-conscious. So I'm really huge on milk tea. I had a weird reaction to it because how sweet and concentrated milk teas are. I felt something really weird in my neck area and it was tingling. So what I've heard from others that cancer cells thrive on really like high sugary sweets. Since the beginning of 2020, I stopped drinking milk tea because of that weird adverse reaction I had. Interesting. So, okay, because I'm a speech pathologist, you know, I, I have to ask. So when you swallowed, did it feel like there was extra pressure or something that just didn't ever quite go away out of your throat? Like with the swallow, like something that was kind of always left behind? I remember when I swallow, I felt I guess it's kind of similar to like if you have a frog in your throat, so you try to swallow and you feel like something's there. That's how it felt from what I like recalled. That's a good illustration of that. I think kind of when you always feel like you have to, <clears throat> that's what a lot of my patients who've had thyroid cancer, that's what they tell me that they kind of feel. Some people don't ever notice anything until people kind of mention it and they're like, oh, wait a minute, you know, I have noticed that for a while, but again, just thought it was one of those things or just thought I had a low grade cold in my in my chest or in my throat that was just eventually clear up. Um, yeah, that can be and, and also can go along with a little bit of hoarseness, which I think is really interesting that, you know, oh, I stayed up too late one too many times or I was talking on the phone for a long time, talked in class, that kind of thing. And the milk tea, that's interesting, too, especially with the tingly sensation. Yeah, it was just a very interesting sensation. I think before I was diagnosed, I never realized that either. I would always go out with my friends to get milk tea. But then when I do drink it, I didn't feel that tingling sensation. And so after I was diagnosed, that's when I felt those weird tingly sensations. So I just found that so interesting just because, yeah, I wasn't really aware that I had this lump in my throat. But then as soon as I was very self-conscious about the lump, I started to feel these weird sensations. I was very aware of these are the symptoms, my whole like fatigueness and also loss of appetite. 
Other than those symptoms, I didn't feel anything at all. I didn't feel any pain or anything. It was just those like three common symptoms. Right. I think it's interesting that our brain tends to ignore the things that we don't pay attention to, like the normal things, right? I mean, I I love milk tea, so I can just relate to that. Drinking milk tea, you just drink it fast. It's yummy. It's sugary. But then when you become aware of that lump, then you start paying attention. Your brain starts sending signals. Okay, let me pay attention to what I actually do when I swallow. Because before that, it was just a routine. It was a normal, like you don't have to think about it. And then after that, it becomes an abnormal thing. I keep going back to this process, but you said you finished your treatment in March. Is that correct? Like that's when your radiation ended in March? So December 20th, yeah, that's when I was diagnosed. And then New Year's Eve, that's when I had my first appointment with my specialist. And he he was the one who referred me to this amazing surgeon who specializes in head and neck cancer. He really took care of me. The surgeon who was going to do the procedure on me, the thyroidectomy, he took a month off. My surgery was on February 25th, uh, 2020. This was on like a Tuesday, kind of like midweek. Luckily, I didn't have any class that day. And also my professors are so very understanding about my situation. And I'm so fortunate that they are that understanding and trying to make accommodations for me in my recovery. The surgery was only for a couple hours, three to four hours. And yeah, what I've been told, it was an outpatient surgery. But then after the surgery, I don't really remember too much just because I was under like anesthesia and everything. But I just remember my mom talking to the surgeon about, oh, like me staying overnight for just to make sure I'm stable in terms of my vitals and everything. And so I stayed overnight. That was a very interesting experience for me being able to like lay on the hospital bed with along with like a roommate and everything and really experience and like dive into like what patients experience while they're at the hospitals. That was very eye opening to me just because I never experienced that before. When I first woke up, it was very, very interesting. I just woke up and I felt refreshed. So I started talking, but I couldn't really speak just because my voice was practically gone. How you kind of lose your voice when you're six. The doctor who was seeing me during my stay there, he he was the one who I first saw when I woke up. And so I started talking to him and I asked him, Oh, will my voice sound like this for a while? And he's, I don't know what you talk, I don't know what you sounded like before, but it'll, it'll come back. And so I was just sitting in my hospital bed and my bed uh, roommate, she was so sweet. We just ended up talking to each other and really get to know each other. And that was really great to like have someone who's very like supportive. She was also a mom. So she kind of understood about what my mom was going through in terms of having your child being in like a hospital in a hospital bed and really going through this health journey. So she gave me that perspective of what my mom was going through, because that's your child, you are very worried for them, you raise them and everything. So that really gave me that perspective as well. I never would have thought I would be sitting here going through this, I guess, part of my life. This is definitely one of the biggest parts of my life just because it really opened my eyes about what it's like to be in that perspective of a patient 
not only as a cancer patient, but just a patient in general. And it really deepened my passions of becoming an occupational therapist and working in the healthcare setting. Yeah, with my with my experience like at the hospital, I felt so like supported. I'm glad that you had such a good support system from both your family and your friends, because that can be a daunting diagnosis and, and challenge in itself. So that's great that you had that that support to fall into and, and rally around you. It seems like you have such a good positive out positive attitude anyway. That's wonderful. So with your surgery and your treatment, what do you have to do now? Like, do you have to supplement for your thyroid? Do you have to take medications? Yeah. So I have... I was prescribed this one medication called Synthroid. So this is a type of medication that is replaced in replacement of my thyroid like hormone. So I will be taking this my whole life. And so after my surgery, my specialist and I were trying to figure out the right dosage for me. And so that was like a trial and error process. In addition to that, he also wanted me to undergo this radioactive iodine treatment. And just a little context, this was before high times of COVID-19. With that, it was kind of like, oh, am I able to get it at the end of March or what's going on? During that time, they were canceling all the non-essential procedures due to the fact that they need that bed space or a bed for like those COVID patients staying at the hospital. And so with me, originally they canceled my radioactive iodine treatment, but the scheduler who was working with me didn't understand the reason why they canceled in the first place because I'm considered essential. I am a cancer patient. Luckily, ultimately I was able to undergo my radioactive iodine treatment at the end of March. I had it March 27th. And that's when I swallowed the radioactive iodine capsule. I think it was about two and a half inches. It was really big. The capsule had a coated gel on it. That gives me time about 15 to 20 minutes to run to my car, go home and quarantine myself because I am radioactive. And it's not safe for me to be around family or like anyone to prevent that exposure to radioactive substances or anything that radiates from my body. With that, as soon as I swallowed the capsule, I ran to my mom who was waiting outside in the entrance and we used one of our bigger cars. And so I went through like the trunk and I sat in the, the backseat just to prevent any exposure between me and my mom. As soon as I got home, I ran into the room I was going to stay in for about five to seven days. And so that was very interesting to experience as well. With the radioactive iodine treatment, process is you have to prepare by being on this low iodine diet. And so the low iodine diet is very restrictive. You're not able to eat any dairy products, any bread products, no processed foods, and no seafood. I was under this diet during high times of quarantine. And for the most part, like all the things available were processed foods. I felt so bad for my mom. She would have to go to the grocery store just for me. But I just remember all I ate for the most part is just a lot of cereal, a lot of rice, and a lot of different kinds of salads. So 
it's a very like healthy diet, but definitely very restrictive. After I like swallowed the pill or the capsule, I had to quarantine myself for five to seven days. And during those days, I I had to sanitize everything I touched. Whenever I had to use the bathroom, I have to flush twice just to make sure all the like radioactive substances in my body is flushed out. And I had to drink a lot of water to remove all the radioactive substances in my body. My family definitely was very like supportive during this whole process. They really helped me during this hard time. After my quarantine with the radioactive iodine, I had to get my body scans. A few weeks later, my specialist notified me that I am officially cancer-free. So that was very exciting for me. And I told my friends and we celebrated. I was going through this whole journey since end of November up until now. This was about April. Look where I am now. I never would have thought I would be here. It's just so surreal that something like this like happened to me and a little contact. I was still finishing up my last semester at my university. So I was preparing to like graduate. In addition, I was also going through all this, all this bumps in the road in regards to like my health. This is definitely one of my greatest and biggest accomplishments just because who can say that they beat cancer at 22 years old during a huge worldwide pandemic before graduating from uh, college? No kidding. Congratulations on that. Oh, thank like, you. Major accomplishments on that. And and so did you did you graduate? Yeah, I oh, had, okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I graduated this this past May 2020. Due to yeah, COVID-19, we were unable to have that in-person commencement, but fortunately because my department was very small, there was about 180 students we were able to have a nice oh i guess separate commencement event or celebration where we have students and faculty and staff members say speeches so that was so exciting it was a great alternative to the in-person celebration but it definitely gave me like a sense of closure. Wow, I did it. <laughs> Congrats. You've, Thank you. you've been through a lot in a short amount of time mm-hmm. and still are very victorious in so many areas. That's incredible. Thank you. You clearly have a lot of focus and drive and positivity and strength. And so I commend you on that and applaud you for that. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I think my experience really shows that this is a huge part of my life. I really want to share and just I kind of really want to like inspire others who may be experienced something similar to me that it's, it's going to be okay in the end, like you will be well supported by others and really well taken care of by all the amazing like health professionals who will be working with you during this hard time. I think that's excellent words of wisdom. What would you say is something people might misunderstand about your diagnosis or misunderstand about thyroid cancer in general? I would say about thyroid cancer, I actually uh, wrote a post about this because the month of September, I did not realize it was 
Thyroid Cancer Awareness Month. And so with that, I was just reading a lot of patient stories who beat thyroid cancer. I actually wrote a Instagram post about this on my pre-OT Instagram about how the month of September was Thyroid Cancer Awareness Month. And I did not realize this until one of my friends posted about Thyroid Cancer Awareness Month because her mom was diagnosed with cancer. So that was when I like dived into and delved into reading like different patient stories. A lot of trends and like patterns I've seen is there's so many misconceptions about thyroid cancer. Just because it is probably the most treatable cancers out there, it's still cancer. A lot of people kind of see it as it's not really considered cancer since it's very treatable and the outcomes are very high. But even with those misconceptions, it is still cancer. I try to tell people, even though I look fine, thyroid cancer is cancer. That's something I really want to like emphasize in regards to me telling my story, but also raising awareness about thyroid conditions and thyroid cancer. My surgeon was also telling me that I'm not the youngest person he did the procedure on. The youngest he, I guess, did the surgery on is a little young boy who was seven years old. So another misconception about thyroid cancer is that it can affect anyone at any time um, of your life, that it is something that people should like be aware of, especially like the symptoms, because for me, for example, it really, it blends into my my life at that time with the whole fatigueness and also like loss, loss of appetite. And with my onset, it was growing really quickly. So definitely, I really want to raise awareness for thyroid cancer just because I guess a lot of people may not realize like how much it can really impact your life. Like I mentioned this before, I'm not the same person I was before like my surgery and like my diagnosis. Like there's so many like different aspects of my life that's like that drastically changed because of my health journey and also my yeah my procedure like getting my thyroid um removed can you expand a little bit on that like i mean i know you mentioned it several times but is there any long lasting changes that you have made in your lifestyle your diet or anything since your thyroid cancer i mean you did say that you stopped drinking boba tea after january so are you still not drinking boba tea? Are you avoiding like things that are high in sugar? Like what kind of health changes have you made? Definitely because so I love, I thrive on being super busy. And so with that, I had to make a lot of changes because now I just get physically tired after maybe four or five things I would do like during the day. Whereas before I could do like, probably five, five or six things like at a time, I am being mindful of what's best for me. And really like practicing that self care. That is something I neglected for a while this year, I made a New Year's resolution that to this year, I'm going to be selfish. I am that type of person who always want to help others whenever they need it. But then I wouldn't really focus on like 
what my needs are. But now, since I went through this, this part of my life, it really taught me to be mindful and be aware of like what's best for me and really listening to my body. Like if I'm tired, then I should take a rest and I can do this another day. Instead of versus me before, I would just push myself, okay, yeah, I'm just going to get this done. I feel like that's a huge mindset a lot of people have just because they want to kind of be increased that like productivity. I think it's really interesting because our last guest also talked about the very same thing, how she learned to be more aware of her body and learn to follow it. And I think it's interesting too that you mentioned the word that, you know, like your new re- new year resolution is to be selfish to your, this year. You know, in a way, I think it's also a misconception because putting yourself first is not necessarily what we think of as being selfish because especially as a healthcare professional, and I know Heather can relate to this too, but when we are not healthy, when we're not taking care of ourselves. And we, when we pour and pour and pour so much into other people, we are left pretty much high and dry. And we end up without health of our own. And I think that's why a lot of healthcare professionals actually end up being o- overworked, burned out, and maybe even sick. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think you bring up, I mean, I think it's a really important thing to learn early on in your even career as exploring to be a healthcare professional. Because if you don't master that right now, you will get burned out really fast, really quick, trying to save everyone when you can't really save everyone when you're drowning yourself. Yeah, definitely. And I have a hypothesis to the reason why my onset was like very, very fast. I think because that point of my um, life, I was under a lot of stress. Like I mentioned before, there was a lot of things going on with my family. I was still Um, a full-time undergraduate student ready to graduate and try to figure out like what are the next steps for me in terms of my career and then in addition to a lot of other things I was involved in it was way too much and so I hypothesized that because I was under a lot of stress that's the reason why the onset was very fast. That is also interesting because our last guest She mentioned that she got diagnosed in the middle of, there's the list of like, what is the most top 10 stressful things you have in your life? It's like having, I think having a, a child moving, starting a new job and all that stuff. I forgot which, what is the rank, but yeah, like getting, married, getting, getting married, getting a divorce. Yep. All those life changes. So Carissa, she was diagnosed when she had, I think she moved to Houston from San Antonio And then she was nursing her second child and then she started a new job. And then, yeah. And then her husband started, you know, it's also new work. So I think it's just interesting. Heather, do you know if there's any correlation between stress and cancer diagnosis or the time of the cancer diagnosis? Not off the top of my head. But however, I would say I would not be surprised due to the inflammatory process and how the inflammatory process can have such an impact on the body as a whole and how it impacts cancer cells or has possible. I'd have to go back to my research and look at that. But yeah, I, I would not be surprised at all because uh, it, it, it seems like so many, so many people we treat who have cancer diagnoses, there's, there's, we all have a lot going on, but there seems to be this cluster 
of stress. I definitely want to research that for future discussion. But I think it's interesting too. I think what we know so far about many diseases are that inflammation process that you talk about is because our body is just going on that overdrive, like kind of what you mentioned, Alyssa, like over and over again. And it actually in turn creates an inflammatory process in different areas. So definitely need to research more about that. And I think it's also fascinating because the lifestyle, the Western lifestyle, I mean, I've lived in America for the last 17 years and it's definitely more go, go, go. Like, okay, the, the harder you work, the better. I mean, I guess Asian too. I guess a lot of today's world. Yeah. It's all about that. I just remember one of my friends work in Singapore and she's like, yeah, everybody have to go overtime. If you're not overtime, then you're being looked down at. And in America, it's kind of the same thing where you're being looked at, at you know, how much you accomplish. And it's kind of fueled that inside of you. Like, you just keep going. Kind of like what you said, Alyssa, like you used to do six, seven things a day. And Heather and I kind of the same way. We just keep going and going for the last, I guess, for me, 10 years of my career. And I'm at the point where like, well, actually, I want to really search what I'm really passionate about what I'm really happy, not just all of these accomplishments that actually maybe mean nothing. So, yeah. Yeah, I think for me, like that definitely plays a huge factor just because I was still like in school and a lot of people like at that time were like applying to like graduate programs or like PhD programs. So I felt like, oh, I'm being left behind, like I'm not doing enough. So that really like made me want to do so many other things. But then with me doing all these things, I just forget to take care of myself. So that is definitely something moving forward that I really want to kind of also emphasize that taking care of yourself and really practicing the self-care is very important and how it really can improve and really helped you in regards to like your physical health in addition to your overall like well-being and so that is definitely something I strive to remind my friends to take maybe even though like you have a really busy life just take that maybe 10 or like 20 minutes to yourself to reset and reflect on what you're doing like at the moment and just getting that time for yourself and that's very important especially like during these times of COVID-19 a lot of people want to because we're not able to like go anywhere a lot of people have this mindset oh that means I need to be more productive I need to work even harder But at the same time, you also need to like make sure that you're okay before you can do other things. So this kind of like also ties into like with healthcare providers, you have to take care of yourself and really learn about taking care of yourself before serving others and taking care of them. Yeah, completely true. I agree with you 100%. Because if we don't take care of ourselves first, there's nothing left. And we don't we don't provide we can't provide our best selves to not only those we serve, but to our families and our friends as well. I am guilty for many, many years of burning candle at both ends and putting myself last. And I know my health suffers from it. And I've realized this over the last few years when I'm tired and I keep pushing and I don't rest, I get sick. And, and that's just what happens. And I, now I know that and I can identify that. And I used to feel bad about taking time to allow myself to rest or being okay to take time for myself, but it really is beneficial for the long run and beneficial for everyone. 
Because let's face it, nobody likes to be around somebody who's tired and grumpy and grouchy and no one likes that. And then you don't like it yourself. Like you just don't like it. But I don't like being that way. You said you want to bring awareness to thyroid cancer. If you had a billboard that you could put anything on, what would that say? What would that look like? Oh, that's a hard question. I would say something along the lines of any cancer is not good cancer, just because I feel that's another misconception of thyroid cancer, just because as soon as I got my diagnosis, I mean, I still had this positive mindset, like I'm going to be okay. But I've received so many comments about like, you're you're young, you're 21 years old, you're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. But they were kind of like brushing it off like, oh, yeah, it's nothing. But it's still thyroid cancer is cancer. And that is something I want to like shed light to. Even though, like I said earlier, it is like treatable if um, it's caught early on. But it is still something that impacts somebody's health. And yeah, that is definitely something I really want to raise awareness. I like it. I like it a lot, too. Because, I mean, you really bring up a really good point. I mean, I really feel like just because cancer is almost so common, unless you have no hair and you look like you lost 20 pounds, people are just like, oh, you're going to be okay. They brush it off. Like So then it's almost minimize the level of trauma that your body receives physically and mentally. Just because an illness is invisible doesn't mean that the impact that it cause to someone's life and body, mind, soul, and spirit are invisible to that person. So I think that is something that I have found in the thread of my patients' life and stories are that a lot of people almost just to kind of make, maybe they want to make themselves feel better by like not having to deal with the trauma somebody else has had. Because I think as a generation, we're not really good at that. We're just kind of ignoring the trauma and pretending that everything is okay. But I think it is okay to feel the trauma, process it in that moment, so you're actually able to move forward to the next level and acknowledge that, hey, a trauma did happen to me. I have had cancer. Yes, it is maybe the most treatable cancer, but it is still cancer. It is still life-changing. I mean, any body part that you that anyone take away from you, like I mean, it, it's still huge. I mean, you don't have thyroids anymore. Or somebody who have gallbladder, oh, it's just gallbladder surgery, but... Literally, it means that you don't have gallbladder anymore, you know, or somebody who mm-hmm. have one kidney, even if it's donated to somebody else to help them survive, it's still like you have one less thing in your body that you were born with. A and part is- of your body was physically taken out yeah, because it went awry and, and its code decided to change the code on you. So when people mm-hmm. say, oh, oh, it's just thyroid cancer, you're going to be fine. That's so mm-hmm. invalidating. Definitely. That's the reason why I'm not afraid to share my story, to really like shed light. Cancer is a very impacting thing that happens in like somebody's life. That's the reason why I'm not afraid to like talk, tell my story to other people I've just met just because I feel like there's always this negative connotation. Cancer is bad, but then the journey and the person's perspective is just so, I guess, so meaningful. My journey really highlights that cancer can happen to like anyone of 
all ages and couldn't just happen any time of your life. You're, you're exactly right. And I think you are the perfect example that cancer can happen to anyone at any time in their life, regardless of age, regardless of situation or what is happening or what you're doing, you know, and you are a good example that you don't have to take it, that diagnosis and have that negative connotation that you can take it. You can be proactive about it and have a positive attitude and still go out there and do life and get your life accomplished and do life and kick butt in the meantime. Like you went, you did it, you've graduated, you know, you've got your sights set forward on your future. And we appreciate you so much for sharing your story with us and your story of hope, of just positivity and helping shed a light on, you know, thyroid cancer and your journey with it. Thank you so much for joining us, Alyssa. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. I am really love getting to know you and also like having this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. So we appreciate your story and your vulnerability and sharing. So thank you. Please subscribe to the Spot Check from your provider of choice. Show notes and links can be found at the spotcheckpodcast.com. Follow us on Instagram. Amelia is the lymph therapist and Heather is the medical SLP.